at Bowton Manor had turned from bad to worse. The macabre events had begun with being shown a collection of peg dolls, each dressed like one of us, and had progressed onto the theft of Lady Wolverston's most valuable possession, her priceless ruby and diamond ring. I had also been told by my dear friend Aggie about a vitriolic discussion between Susan and Ronald Bowton, an argument that brought to light the former's extensive family history of insanity. (laughs) This tidbit of information, coupled with the weird collection of dolls that their daughter Anne had been hiding, intimated to me that the insanity could certainly have been passed on to the younger generation. I had also overheard, purely by accident, you understand, a discussion between the charming Samuel and Annabella, in which she had rejected him with the rejoinder that he was more like her brother, and then he had requested a substantial loan of some 700 pounds. On top of that, Annabella had announced at dinner that she had altered her will, and Samuel had looked quite like the cat that had got the cream. Speaking of that cat, he also had an unusual relationship with the French governess, Simone Drotage, who had been quite convinced that the girl Ellie had been murdered by someone who was attempting to kill Simone herself. Lastly, there was something going on between Elena Drake, the most competent of housekeepers, and the vaguely threatening Trescott, the enigmatic butler. The arrival of Oldcrist and Bitsy had certainly complicated things. Luckily, the Scottish DCI had busied himself with the investigation in the village concerning Ellie's murder, and had not been too much underfoot to me. Bitsy was such a capable young woman. She inexplicably showed a a deep level of devotion to the Bowton offspring, even though Donald was certainly a burgeoning young criminal, and Anne, well, I already mentioned that. Bitsy had been the one to show me the secret shoebox, where the strange peg dolls were kept and where Anne had hidden them. Well, I hadn't mentioned that shoebox to Olcrest. In fact, I was holding my cards close to my chest on a number of issues. Lord Ashley and Bitsy seemed to have some sort of a history together, though they were certainly not sharing it. Finally, there was Tawny and her beau Anderson. He was a cold fish and certainly more than a little obsessed with murder. He even implied 
it could be a work of art. I heartily disagree with those sentiments. Murder is almost never neat enough to be truly artistic. Almost. And after all of that, the evening turned truly tragic. After an electrical storm, Lady Annabella herself was dead. It was shocking and terrible. We had all decided to try to get some sleep. Early the next morning, Old Crest and I decided to reconvene. I am very glad we were both here, Sheldon. Yes, I am very glad indeed. I should have predicted that something was going to happen to Annabella. I have had a feeling this entire time. I got distracted with the business of Ellie and the dolls. One has to wonder if that wasn't the intent. What's that? The old magician's trick. Look over here, so you don't see what I'm doing over there. The classic sleight of hand thing. I know the concept well, but it would seem entirely too diabolical for a murder to be committed simply to distract from another one. No. (laughs) Come now, Fig. You're no blushing virgin when it comes to crime. Diabolical can very often be the defining trait. The man was beginning to truly irritate me. I had years of experience on him, and yet here he was, waving his delicate conductor's hands around my face and lecturing me on the finer points of crime. I shoved down my irritation into a corner pocket of my brain and responded to him in a smooth and civil tone. You're right there. I have certainly seen my fair share. All that being said, though, I would much rather prove a motive for the poor girl's killing. And by poor girl, you are referring to... Uh, Yes, quite so. In this instance, I was referring to the initial murder of poor Miss Ellie Atkins. Did you discover anything of interest about her in the village? Or unearth any possible suspects there? Well, she was well-liked around here. Did you know that her mother was something of a local soothsayer? She apparently led a... Well, I'm not sure of the correct word for this, but... Some sort of midsummer druidic ritual here. Apparently... We are on the site of some ancient druid circle. Quite fascinating. Anyway, they referred to her as their sealer. Your English villages are almost as superstitious as our Scottish ones. It's quite amusing, isn't it? How the ancient rituals hang on into the modern 20th century. As he continued on, my brain was moving. Someone had just recently mentioned the druid circles and connections with this house. Someone who had stopped themselves in mid-conversation. But who had it been? Pardon the interruption, gentlemen. I just wanted to see if you were in need of any refreshments at this time. Ah, thank you, Trescott. I could rather murder a cup of tea myself. Big? It had been Trescott. I made a mental note to address this druid mystery with him later. I would stay mum for the present. Out loud, I said, None for me at present, thank you. Anyway, 
Some in the village thought that Ellie may have inherited her mother's gifts. But they all said the same things. She was sweet, hard-working, kind. But they also said that she was very well informed on every event here at the house and in the village. Her ear to every door, so to speak. Ah, could have certainly got her in trouble, that. The village consensus seemed to be that it was useful. No issues with Harold, her young man at the garage. Seemed a nice enough chappy who was quite distraught at the loss of her. They'd been together since they were kids, apparently. Anyway, I really went to the village to get some background on the... Well, on her more than anything else. No one from the village could possibly have done it. I had been concerned this may be the case. How can you be so sure? I mean that there is only the one narrow path to get up to the house for the final stretches from the village. And it had rained the day before. And there were no tracks. Aye, no tracks besides the rolls in which you arrived and Betsy's transport. And no footprints either, which means... Which means that the murderer of both women has to be someone who is still here. Precisely. Ulchrist had confirmed my fears. There was a murderer amongst us. The Scottish inspector and I decided to continue our joint investigation to get to know our fellow house inhabitants, all of whom I was now simply referring to in my notes as suspects. We decided to begin with Elena Drake. You needed me, inspector? Good and Mr. Fig. Ah, my dear Miss Drake. Or may I call you Elena? Miss Drake is quite sufficient, Inspector. I see no reason for over-familiarity, if you don't mind. As you wish. Now, I have in my notes that you've been employed by the Bowdens for seven years. Is that correct? Yes. I began working here in February of 1921. And you were in France before this, Toulouse? Immediately before this, I was employed for the Edgars of Surrey. Before that, I was in France for a short time. There was an incident, and my employment was uh, cut short. Uh, Mademoiselle, uh, were you around during the Estat murders? I wouldn't say around, Mr. Fig. I was merely working for a family in Toulouse at the time. I was peripheral. At best. Was that the incident that caused your time to be cut short? There was a series of thefts, mainly jewellery and other petty things. There was never a shred of evidence that I had anything to do with it. But since they could never find the culprit, the family chose to do a clean sweep, so to speak. They fired all of the servants, myself included and rehired all new. That must have made it hard to find employment. And yet, you did not seem to struggle. I, I, I do hope this won't make you think less of me in any way. You see, I was married at the time. He was a bad lot. But I reverted to my middle name of Drake when I applied to the Edgars. So, they couldn't check your most recent references. Quite ingenious if not very honest. 
What was your married name, Miss Drake? Look, is it really necessary to dredge all this up again? I was very young and misguided, and I've had excellent references since. It has not impacted my work at all. Aye, Miss Drake. For you see, we are faced with the reality that there have been two murders in this house. And they were committed by someone from within. So I'm afraid that there is no hiding any more skeletons in your closet. Or anyone else's for that matter. My husband's name was Jean-Luc Ramon. My word! But... But he was one of the lead suspects in the Destart murders. That, Miss Drake, gives you a great deal more than a peripheral involvement. He disappeared, though we did in fact clear his name. I am sorry to have downplayed this. I have tried to hide from it for almost a decade now. I'm not the same woman I was then, but before you ask, I'm still married. They'll not grant you a divorce from a missing person. Intriguing. And you, Miss Drake, have you had no further interactions with your husband these many years? I've not spoken to Jean-Luc Ramon since the morning in 1918 when he disappeared. And I would swear that on the Bible. Well, as things are going, that may be in fact something we require of you. Now, to the matter at hand. You hired the girl, Ellie Atkins? I did not. She was part of Lady Wolverston's staff prior to my coming here. But they were from this village. Yes. Ellie told me her mother was the equivalent to the local witch. Not nonsense, if you ask me. Was she a hard worker? For the most part, yes. She was young, so she did need prodding from time to time. And she did gossip a little too much for my liking. She was always talking about Lady Wolverston's husband and how his death was suspicious. And her mother had apparently had her own theories about the death of Annabella's parents, too. Yes, she mentioned the husband. Did she tell you about Annabella, too? Hoo-hoo, she was quite convinced she had the sight. Told me many times that Miss Bella is next. I've dreamed it. She was rather high-strung. I often find these English village types to be that way. <laughs> Quite. Now, uh, where were you when Ellie was murdered? I was in the kitchen helping to expedite dinner. It was quite an undertaking with so many arrivals. Excellent. And for Miss Annabella? She was a good woman. I am sorry she's dead. I would have no reason to kill her. I am possibly facing unemployment again as it stands. So why would I? Oh, of course, of course. But again, we must ask these hard questions, mustn't we? I was in the kitchen, doing my duty. <laughs> oh, there, there. Dry your eyes. I have just a couple of questions for you, if I may. Please. Ask them. Do you believe in ghosts? Ghosts? Of course not. I see. And now, do you believe that this house could be magic? Or that its location could be? I never thought about it, but no, I don't believe in that sort of thing. Thank you. That is all I have, Inspector. Thank you, Miss Drake. You may go. Thank you both. I am sorry for my outburst. Um, will this conversation be kept confidential? Indeed. At least, 
for the time being. Thank you. Oh, bless me. I just remembered something else that I wanted to ask you. Miss Drake? Yes? Had you met Miss Simone Drotage before your arrival here? No. I have never seen that woman before in my life. I knew that Miss Elena Drake was certainly lying on at least one count. And now I was even more curious as to what had been contained in the paper that she had taken from Mademoiselle Simone and then torn up. It seemed such a stupid lie, particularly as her connection to Toulouse had been brought to life. I decided to keep my cards close to my chest as Olchrist and I moved on to our next interview. You wish to see me, sirs? Ah, Trescott, come in, me dear chap. We'd just like to have a little word with you about the two ladies who met their unfortunate demise this weekend. Of course. Not sure I'll be of much help. I've only been here a few weeks, and I can't say I knew either of them very well. Understandable, understandable. Just a few basic questions. What is your full name, please? Arthur John Trescott. And previous to your employment here... You have been employed as a butler elsewhere? Yes, sir. Um, here and there, here and there. Where was your last employment? In the Midlands, sir, for, for several years. I see. Always as a butler? Yes, sir, in that time. I couldn't understand why Olchrist wasn't hammering the man about details as he had Miss Drake. I had so many questions. However, we had agreed that Olchrist would take the lead on these interviews. So I bit my tongue for now. And you were hired by Lady Annabella? No, sir. Then who hired you? Lady Wolverston, sir. She told me that Lady Annabella didn't have a head for house management. Did Lady Wolverston not ask for references from you, man? Well, you see, sir, she was in a bit of a bind. Their former butler left quite suddenly, you see, sir. His health was declining rather rapidly, I hear. My interview with Lady Wolferston was more about how I would approach basic household matters, and I think I responded to her liking. I see. And what was your impression of the house when you first arrived? A finely run operation overall, sir. Miss Annabella had a great deal more of an organisational brain than I had expected from Lady Wolverston. So... Would it surprise you if you learned that Lady Annabella had committed suicide? A change came over Trescott. He seemed to relax from deep within. His eyes shifted to my face and then back to Olchrist in a manner that I disliked at my very core. He leaned forward conspiratorially. Matter of fact, it would not surprise me at all to hear that, sir. She seemed most unhappy about Lord Ashley, I think she was a kind-hearted woman, sir, and disappointing him was weighing heavily upon her. Yes, I think she felt things a great deal. I wouldn't be surprised. Very interesting. Thank you. Uh, that's all from me. I do have one or two questions. Where did you learn such a lot about architecture? That's just a hobby of mine. I've worked in some lovely old places and made it an interest to learn about them. And is... This the first place you've worked that's built on a druid circle? Oh, no. There have been several. 
which is all uh, happenstance, of course. Uh, of course. Thank you. You don't happen to own a white mask? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. That will be all. Thank you, sirs. Thank you both. Do let me know if there's anything you need. Oh, where is my brain? Do you know if Miss Drake has found the ring? Not to my knowledge. And does she usually manage to find these things before? Oh, she always does. From what she has told me, that is. Thank you. Most helpful. That will be all. Mr. Pr Fig, I need to speak with you immediately. I have something important to share with you. Miss Belmont, sirs. Tawny Belmont looked, well, what one can only call a mess. She was in the same dress from the night before. Her bobbed hair was tousled and her large eyes were red and a bit bleary. She was speaking more emphatically even than usual, and she had a slight pirate swagger to her walk. I decided that she had probably been up all night drinking, though Lady Wolverston's comment about her being a drug user <laughs> did ring in my head. She tottered across the room and sank into a chair, draping her long legs over one of its arms. I am Bella's oldest and dearest friend. We've known each other since we were children. I would never usually say this to anyone, but since she's gone... Since she's gone, I feel it is my responsibility. We understand your position perfectly, Miss Belmont. Please, do feel as though you may speak freely. Quite. Quite. It's simply this. Do you remember when Anderson was talking about the great lunar moth poison at dinner yesterday before... Before Annabella... Oh, it's too awful. Yes, yes, I, I do. He, he said it was quite untraceable, if I remember correctly. Well, that's just it. I mean, it is. If Anderson says so, he knows. But anyway, Bella came to see us yesterday. I'm so sorry to barge in on you all in the middle of the day like this. Good Lord. Is it the middle of the day? My head is screaming so. I could swear it was rather barely dawn. Well, darling, I did warn you about having that seventh or was it eighth martini? Oh, darling, you were so right, but my nerves are just completely bloody short. Whenever I think of that poor girl and her head being just... I think all of our nerves were short. Anderson, thank you again for that sleep aid you gave me. I slept like the dead. Oh, God. I feel so heartless when I say stupid things like that. Anderson's little bag of goodies is the only thing that keeps me relatively sane, I have to admit. Oh, Bella, don't worry. You're perfect. You have a lovely heart. I'm I'm sure she had a jealous bow or something in the village and he just snuck up here. Oh, it's all too awful. I just keep picturing her sweet face and... Oh! <laughs> there, there. It's all right. Anderson, do make us one of those hair-of-the-dog cocktails with the egg and Worcestershire all swished in it. It's simply divine, and you'll absolutely feel better. None for me, thank you, though. I feel as though I need a clear head, uh, today especially. Suit yourself. I'll certainly have one. Anderson, darling. Actually, Tawny, darling, 
Would you mind frightfully if I borrowed Anderson for just a moment? It's about something that needs his expertise. Well, I've learned the hard way that I can't hold my own with Annabella. Not where men are concerned. I love her dearly, but she just wraps them around her little finger. I couldn't, of course, refuse to leave. Anderson doesn't tolerate that sort of emotional display from me. So I did the next best thing. <laughs> I eavesdropped on them. Oh, I'd be more than happy to help you in any way I can, Lady Annabella. Please, do just call me Bella. Hmm. Well, I'll just take my cocktail and have a little lay-me-down while you chaps chat. So I whooshed my egg in my drink and scampered to our bedroom. But I didn't lay down. <laughs> no, I pulled the door almost shut and then sat there with my ear pressed to the door like some common parlour maid. I'm sorry to ask Tawny to leave, but this is a matter of some delicacy and, well... I would just hate to put her in an awkward position. Tony is not exactly the most subtle of humans. I absolutely understand. There's no need for apology. What can I do to help you? So, as everyone knows, this evening at midnight, I am officially 21 and officially a wealthy heiress. I've not spoken of this in any seriousness before, but I have had been increasingly nervous. Of the responsibility? But I'm sure you're perfectly capable. Oh, no, that's not it. I'm more than ready to face it. I'm going to sound bonkers when I say this, but... Oh, I'm sure you won't. It's perfectly... Uh, let me get straight to the point. For the last five or six months, I've had this increasing feeling of paranoia. I feel that there are people... People close to me. People I've known for most of my life... I can't trust them. And not even that I can't trust them, but they're actively out to get me. Oh, oh, I do. I say it out loud and it sounds insane. Look, I am worried. For myself and for those who are true to me. I've even found myself questioning things like my parents' death. This little voice asking me if it really was an accident. But I would have thought that out of it. I'm... Which, of course, I am sure it was. It doesn't make sense. None of it does. I've never felt like this before. But you mentioned that lunar moth thing. The untraceable poison? Yes. Well, I was wondering. I know you carry a lot of things around with you in that little magic lot of yours. Do you have it on you? Lady Annabella, this is most irregular, I must say. Uh, please, let's be less formal. It's Bella. Please call me Bella. I would just want it as well, sort of, and insurance policy. Uh, for myself, of course. And that's when I saw her put her hand on his shoulder, and I had to. Had to? Interrupt, of course. I couldn't have her touch him, not my Anderson. He's the only thing I've ever had that she hasn't been able to claim. He's mine. No, I definitely couldn't have that happen. Do you mean that you don't even know if your fiancé actually gave her the poison? Or what she wanted it for? Look, I just wanted to come and tell you what I saw. And I thought, well... I thought perhaps Bella's insurance had been to, well, you know, to end it all. 
And I didn't want you to blame Anderson. He's a perfect angel. Just then, who should enter the room, looking rather stressed and disheveled, but the perfect angel himself. Tony, there you are. I, I am so sorry, gentlemen. She's in a terrible state. I, I should not have let her interfere down here with your investigation like this. I... Oh, Anderson, have you come to save me again? I was just telling him what a perfect angel you are. Well, that's as may be, but you definitely need to have a little rest. You've been on a complete bender this entire weekend. It's my nerves. I can't help it. It's been awful. I need something for my nerves, Anderson, please. We will get you some rest. Excuse us, gentlemen. Mr. Watts, your fiancé was just telling us that Lady Annabella had requested some lunar moth concoction from you? Did she? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said such a silly thing. I didn't see the need to mention it, Inspector, as it was a non-starter. I do have a tiny sample of this poison, but I certainly wouldn't have given it to anyone. Mr. Fig, Mr. Fig. What is it, Miss Drake? We are in the middle of an interview. And I'm so sorry to barge in and interrupt like this, but I wanted to show you what I found in your room, sir. My room? But why were you in there anyway? I was just... Tidying up, sir, when I found this under your bed. Miss Drake had produced a scrap of paper. It couldn't have been more than two inches long and had a ragged and blackened edge where it looked to have been burned. I took it from her and read aloud the writing that was in block capital letters. She cannot be allowed to inherit. I am counting on you. But... What on earth was this doing in my room? Were there any other pieces? Uh, let me see that, if I may. Hmm. I, I think I'll hold on to this. Miss Belmont, have you ever seen this before? No, can't say that I have. Mr. Watts, what about you? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, may I take Miss Belmont back to her chambers to lie down? Of course. We know where to find you. Miss Drake... Can you please ask Lord Ashley to come and see us? As the room cleared, I found that I had been holding my breath. What was going on here? Why had that piece of paper been found in my room? Old Chris spoke then, almost as though he had read my thoughts. So, why on earth would that piece of paper be in your room? Uh, what do you make of it? It's certainly bizarre. This entire case has been, though. I feel like each person is part of a kaleidoscope that keeps shifting. Ugh. If only we knew which way to move it so we could see the entire pattern, eh? That would be the trick. Yes, a kaleidoscope. Indeed. Mr. Fig! Mr. Fig! There's two missing. I can't find them. I know this is probably highly unimportant. And you have so much to worry about, but... The dolls. There are two missing. I went to check again today. I don't know why. I felt compelled to. But Donald and Susan's dolls are missing. What's this? I've been meaning to tell you. There's a hiding place behind the bookcase in the children's room. The child, Anne, has a collection of pegs, all dressed like one of us. Well, why in the world didn't you tell... You wanted to see me, chaps? Oh. Hello, Miss Carraway. 
Lord Carrington, I am so sorry for your loss. I am sorry once more to interrupt. I shall retire to my chambers. Please, let me know if you need me. Ah, yes, uh, Lord Carrington. How are you holding up? Lord Ashley Carrington did not look like he was holding up at all well. He looked even more knees and elbows than usual, and his eyes were red. He looked very much like a man on the edge. I just... she was so beautiful, vibrant, alive, and now... I'm truly sorry for your loss. Did you ever find your ring? Oh, that... uh, I'd completely forgotten about it. It doesn't matter now anyway. There won't be a need for it. Perhaps... Perhaps you could tell me a little bit about your history with Annabella, or how you met? Oh, well, the families were friends. So we've sort of always been in each other's orbit, so to speak. Though I was in Europe for most of my teenage years. I returned here when I was twenty or so, and that's when Annabella and I reconnected, as they say. Ah. Oh, Mr. Fig, didn't you mention that you'd had some sort of interaction with Lord Carrington's family? Yes, years ago now, when I was a child. We had a nasty business with some poison pin letters being sent our way. And some other nastiness like that. Fikir cleared it all up for my papa. Yes, as I recall, it was a woman from the village who had feelings of the romantic nature for your father. And as they say, hell hath no fury as a woman scorned. Indeed. Quite right. Frightful creatures, women. But naturally not all of them. Lady Annabella, for example. No. She was perfect. Do you know, I I had a lady friend in Europe. Sort of a puppy love situation. My family thought she was rather unsuited for my social standing. She was an intellectual. Modern science sort of thing. I was quite mopey about her when I first came back. But then, then came Annabella. I remember I saw her at a picnic, I believe. Yes, it was four years ago now. Coward was there too. Hello, aren't you old Ashley Carrington? My God, haven't seen you since you were, well, it's been donkey's years, hasn't it, Bella? Oh, Ashley, welcome home. I bet you've got all sorts of adventures to share about life on the continent. I'm quite green with envy. Oh, you know, it was really more, I think, therapeutic for me than anything. So not so very glamorous. Anything would have to be preferable to here. Barton, it's just deathly dull. Thank God we've got each other, Bella old Bean, or I may have just tottered off my motor coil from sheer ennui. Oh, Sam, you are too much. I can't imagine anyone feeling bored when you're around, Annabella. Oh, Ashley, that's so kind of you. Watch out, Bella. You'll have us both vying for your eligible hand in just a few short years. You? 
But you couldn't seriously think that Lady Boughton would consider. You're just a village lad. I may not know who my father is, but I have more brains in one half of my head than your aristocratic, idiotic family does in total. Samuel, darling, I got us a cocktail. Oh, what's all this? Did I interrupt something? Samuel and Lord Ashley were simply having a discussion. Yes, I made the comment that he's obviously bowled over by our beautiful Bella here, and we'd be vying for her hand soon. And in marriage? You? And Bella? Yes, and he chose to point out my less-than-stellar lineage. Oh, because you mean you don't have a father. Look here. I didn't say anything of the kind. It's none of my business. Oh, it's all right, Ashley, old chap. Samuel knows that I've been slumming it going out with him for the last few months. I mean, obviously there couldn't be any real future there. Even without his apparent love for Bella. Excuse me. Bella, I just really want it. Go after her, Samuel. Don't be a cad. I'm dashed sorry about making a scene, Ashley, old chap. I do hope to see you around more often now that you are home. Go! She's going to completely break down if you don't show her you care, even in the slightest bit. Can't you understand that? She cares so much more than she lets on. And this is yet another reason I love you. Bye, all. Going to beg the forgiveness of a Belmont. So yes, right then and there, from the moment I saw her in the sunlight, chestnut hair shining, and that lovely mouth smiling, my heart could only belong to Annabella Boughton. Hmm. I was not aware that Tony and Samuel were ever an item. Oh, good Lord, yes. For years. Samuel finally made her sling her hook when he was in his second year at Oxford. He didn't do it terribly well, either. I understand he got into his cups one night and basically just told her she could never be Bella. I always wanted he and Tony to work out. Would have cleared the path for me, anyway. Perhaps. So, Samuel doesn't know who his father is? No. There's always been rumour that it was some local noble or other. But one always hears things like that about these local families. I know mine certainly have a few skeletons rattling around. But no one knows. Funnily enough, I always thought Annabella knew. She would say things sometimes. She's very clever. Yes, very clever. Do you know anything of... Druid circles, Lord Carrington. Druid circles? Well, I've certainly heard of them. They've had some sort of weird ritual here in years past. Not that I've ever paid it much mind. What do you ask? Uh, no reason. Inspector. Oh, excuse me, Lord Carrington. I did not realise you were in here. Oh, not at all. May I take my leave, sirs? Assuredly. Forgive me, I uh, realized that in my panic I had neglected to turn this into you. It is what I had found on the ground near to the body of young Ellie. I have been so overwrought with everything. 
that poor girl. And now, my Bella. And the whole time I thought, I thought it was going to be me. Interesting. Yes. What was that you were saying to me about kaleidoscopes, Mr. Fig? Uh, just a moment, Inspector. Uh, Mademoiselle, why did you think someone was going to kill you? Do you still have this fear? When I saw the body, she was face down. And there was blood. But uh, I felt as though I was looking down on it. My own body, I mean. And when I turned her over, I thought I would see my own dead face. <laughs> now, now, let's try to stay calm. Why would someone wish you dead? Toulouse, there are still connections. I still know too much. You know about that, Monsieur Fig. It seems that we have a lot of connections to Toulouse here. What do you mean? You think... You think I am right? Oh, c'est horrible. I had thought that perhaps it was my own imagination. Or... Now, poor Bella. Perhaps because it was suspected she was too close to me. That I would be given money. Why would Lady Annabella give you money? She was so generous. And I have really become like family since her parents' death. It would be logical. Look here, old priest. I need your help. Can't find my blasted children anywhere. I've been looking high and low. Oh, and Fig, my wife wants to see you. She's having one of her moments and is laying down. Simone, are you crying? Again? No. Excuse me, s'il vous plaît. Ugh, continentals. Always so blasted temperamental. Do help me find the children, will you? Before I go upstairs to speak to your wife, may I ask you some questions? Make it snappy. Can you tell me if it was you or your wife who hired Miss Carraway? Hmm. You start, you should ask that, Fig. <laughs> Matter of fact, it was my wife. <laughs> I am sure she regretted it as soon as she saw what a looker Bitsy is. Is your wife in the habit of hiring your secretaries? Not typically. Well, I had gone through a few of them, if you catch my drift. <laughs> and what was her reason for this one? A friend of a friend had recommended her. She said she was highly efficient and trained with difficult children. Do you consider your children difficult, sir? Have you met them? <laughs> Donald will be all right. I was a bit of a risk-taker at his age, too. Anne, I am afraid, has picked up some of her mother's family's loose screws. She's always been a little off the rails. These old families, you know. Loads of titles. Loads of problems. Well, shall we? Uh, 
just one more quick question from me. Had you known that Lady Annabella intended to change her will? Oh, that. Hadn't really thought about that. I've been see overwrought about the loss of my darling cousin. Though, I will of course be seeing the local solicitor later today to discuss whether the change is even legal. Mr. Fig, if you could go to see my wife. As I headed up the stairs to Lady Susan's chambers, I felt very tired. I felt like I was a man grasping at threads, or pieces of colored glass, like the kaleidoscope I mentioned, ever shifting and showing a different pattern depending who was moving them. These lives so entwined with Annabella, but Ellie was dead as well. How did her life fit in? and her death. My thoughts were interrupted by the entrance of my friend, dear Aggie, who was swooping towards me in the hall. Sheldon, my dear, how nice to see you. You've both been holding there all day. You have everything figured out now. I can honestly say that I've never felt further from a solution. Can you tell me why you hired Trescott? Oh my goodness. Why would you want to ask me about the drudgery of domestic hirings at this particular moment? (laughs) Well, no matter. Let me answer and be as helpful as I can. Trescott was the only interview. Well, it wasn't that I was bowled over by his sparkling wit or personality. It was simply that I was in a bind. Old Selworthy had been with us for positively eons and then gave less than a week's notice. It was a nightmare. Someone gave me Trescott's name, so... We had him for an interview, and presto, as they say. Do you remember who gave you his name? Well, I can't say that I do, my dear. But if it comes to me, you'll be the first to know. Any luck finding my ring? Or has the murder sort of superseded it in order of importance? I'm still in the process of making inquiries. Thank you so much, dear friend. That's all one can do. Did I tell you that a mysterious note was discovered under my bed, Aggie? How scant! How scandalous! (laughs) A love letter? I don't believe so. It seemed to be a plea for assistance in the demise of your niece. Oh, how very curious. (laughs) Well... I do hope no other suspicious objects find their way to your bedroom, Sheldon. Now I must go find Miss Drake. This house is a disaster. I smiled as I watched Agatha Wolverston's erect back exit down the hall. A proud woman. She had always been a proud woman. How I adored her. And now, on to the task at hand. I reached the chambers of Lady Susan and raised my hand to give a knock. Come in. Ah, I see you're not feeling well. I hope you'll pardon my intrusion. It's all been simply awful. My poor Annabella. She was so 
spirited and about to come into the prime of her life. How long had you known her? Oh, gracious, since she was a girl of just three or so. She was always so intelligent and kind, genuinely kind. Not a girl whose head gets turned by men, which I think happens all too often. Did Lord Boughton sweep you off your feet all those years ago? Ronald? Hardly. No, he was the suitable choice. He's certainly not the love of my life, nor am I laboring under any misapprehension that I am his. No, I certainly had my head turned before him. I used to be very wild, (laughs) very free. I had many lovers, (laughs) many unsuitable but ravishing ones. Oh, yes, Mr. Fig, I know you would never know it now, but in my day, I was quite a head turner. I always wore the finest dresses and attended the best balls. My youth was... Well, it's over now. I have to tell you, I have to tell you why it's my fault. What is your fault? Everything. It's all my fault. There was a bunny once. The children loved it. Its name was Sergeant Sprinkles. I always thought it was such a silly name. They wanted to take that rabbit everywhere with them. Can we please take Sergeant Sprinkles with us? Cousin Annabella loves him too. Anne's right. She does. It would make it less dull for us both, Mama. All right, if it will keep you too quiet. But you must be on your best behavior. And you mustn't let that rabbit run amok. Play with him in the grounds. I know it was stupid of me. I shouldn't have let them, but... I always want them to be happy. They played happily while we talked. This is, of course, in the days when Annabella's parents were still with us. We were having a nice conversation in the drawing room. To be frank, Mr. Vig, it is always quite a relief to one when one can get a reprieve from one's offspring. The children had been playing happily for at least an hour. It was heaven sent. Then we heard the cries. It's Sergeant Sprinkles. He's dead. Darling, what what do you mean? It's all right, Anne. Daddy can make it better. I didn't mean to. We were playing. Nothing will ever be better again. 
When Ronald and I went out to the grounds by the orangery, we found Donald cradling the rabbit. Its neck. It was a funny angle. It was broken, I could tell. Ronald had the gardener bury it, and we had a little funeral. Anne wouldn't even look at it. We never spoke of it again. But things have never been the same. They, they take after me, you see. The temper, the madness. It's all from me. I've passed it on. And now it's caused two deaths. You think that Anne killed her rabbit because she was mad? Jealous? No, you misunderstand. It wasn't Anne. It wasn't Anne at all. It was Donald. I was given little time to respond to this, however, for just then the door to Lady Susan's bedchamber swung open and Bitsy Carraway burst in through the door in a state of what can only be described as sheer panic. Lady Susan, Lady Susan, Mr. Fig, thank God you're here. I found this on Donald's balcony. It's one of the dolls that was missing. Look at it. It was one of the peg dolls, dressed in Donald's blue blazer and grey trousers. Now, Miss Carraway, well done to you for finding it. But surely this isn't the end of the world, hmm? As long as you haven't found it next to a corpse, we are doing better than previously. <laughs> That's just it. I found the doll and my heart leapt into my mouth. You see, we haven't been able to find the children for the past hour. So I picked up the doll and something shiny caught my eye. It was gleaming up at me from the ground. And that's when I saw... <laughs> oh, for God's sake, cut the hysterics and get to the point. Please, Miss Carraway, whatever it is, let's not panic. Take a deep breath and tell me what happened. I looked down, all the way down, to the bottom of those three stories by the orangery, and it was Donald. He must have fallen. Oh my God, no. You have to come. He was laying all funny, like a broken doll, and so still. Please, come now. Where is Anne? We must find Anne. 